This is the Dr. Nicolia Show, where we discuss life goals, mindset blocks that prevent you from living your purpose, and have fun while doing it. All for a better mind, a better life, and a better you. Welcome back to the Dr. Nicolia Show. I am super here that you guys are here joining me because today I have a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, It's a difficult topic for me to discuss, but something that I feel like is really, really important for me to share because I, I gained a lot of insights through this experience. And I'm a firm believer that when you learn something, it's your job to share it. Like what good is knowledge if it's in a vacuum, right? If we're not sharing it, if we're not helping other people to learn from our experiences. Anyways, um, I my mom was a teen mom when she had me. She was 17 when she had me. And so for the first two two years, I'd say, of my life, I lived with my, my grandma, my grandparents, my grandma, my grandpa. But I always maintained a very close relationship with my grandma. I like to say that she was like a parent almost to me since I was my mom was always a single parent. And so she was like a very, very, very close person to me. I mean, even I think into my adulthood, I remember calling her and asking her spiritual questions. My grandma, I always like to compare her to Mother Teresa. She was the closest thing to her. And so I would call her often for questions just about anything, really health questions, spiritual questions, family problems. Even, you know, when I was getting married, I called her to ask her a lot of questions. And so she was just my go-to person. My grandma was amazing. Like if you ask anyone in my family separately, we could all tell you very different stories about her and different ways that she impacted our life. Anyways, my grandma was a stay-at-home mom her for a majority of her adulthood um, and eventually went on to, to get a full-time job. Um, after a few short years working there, she started having a couple complications and um, it was her memory what we came to figure out so she did an sort of an early retirement and from there she was diagnosed with alzheimer's and it went on to to basically take over her life so she lived with one of my aunts for a little bit and then my other aunt and then we put her in a home and we'd go to visit but long story short that's what we lost my grandma to and it was devastating to me because like i said my grandma was my person that was like one of my go-to go-to people i remember being young and my grandma was a cigarette smoker and i, I told her like i want you to stop smoking cigarettes because I, I don't want you to ever die and i remember explaining to me that like people you know eventually people die but for me i'm like you can't die like you're my person like what would my life be like without her I say all that to say I was devastated when I lost my grandma because, again, she was my person. But another reason I was devastated is because I don't feel like her life was, like, long-lived. I feel like she, you know, stayed at home with her children forever, got a job, retired, and then died three years into her retirement. And so it made me start to think about, like, how vulnerable we really are, how fragile we really are, and ultimately how short our life truly is. And when I look back to to my own experiences and my own journey through a lot of heartbreak and a lot of shifts and changes and traumatic experiences, I, I like to do a lot of reflection. And so thinking of, you know, my grandma's life and her legacy and her impact and what she had done and didn't do, I started to think of, you know, what are the regrets that 
people have once they get on their deathbed because we don't always talk to those people, right? We talk to the people that are living it up and they're in yachts and they're in big houses and they're, you know, working hard in their businesses and they drive these fancy luxury vehicles and they're just living great. But we don't talk to the people that are laying on their deathbed about the things that they wish that they did. And one of the things that I love is I love the elderly. Like I love, you know, just three short weeks ago, I was at a conference and, um, they randomly picked groups and broke us into groups of six. And in my group, I had an, a 75-year-old man, an 84 or 85-year-old man, and a 91-year-old woman. And I was so infatuated with their stories. I think that there's so much wisdom that they have. And so, you know, after that experience and still continuing to reflect on the loss of my grandma, I started to take some time to do some research on the top regrets of those who are dying. And I know that this is not the most exciting topic, but I promise I'll bring it full circle if you just stay with me. And I think you'll be glad that you listened because ultimately I, I had a big takeaway from this. So um, when I think about, you know, talking to these people and I started reading and I started researching, there were a few few, you know, regrets that they had. And those regrets, the first one was they wish that they called more people, checked in on more on the people that they loved. I think it's tempting to go through life and be busy and to get consumed in what you have going on and forget about your friends and family. Not like in a way like forget them, like I don't care about them, but you forget to check in with them. You forget to touch base with them. And again, life is so short. Another one that they had is they they wish that they had more courage to express themselves. Um, they wish that they had not worked so hard or overworked themselves. And the one that stood out to me was they wished that they lived a life true to themselves. And so when I thought of that one, that one like hit me like a ton of bricks. I started to think like, am I living a life aligned with what I desire to do? Am I living a life, you know, true to Dr. Nicole? Does my, do my daily actions match the life that I desire to live? And so I started to think about like the most recent experience that I had where I kind of felt like I had a setback. And so obviously that was my divorce. And I thought about the experience of going through my divorce and working through healing from my heartbreak. And it, I took a great deal of time to really, truly reflect, truly reflect on the lessons I learned, reflect on the takeaways, um, reflect on my pain points, on my triggers, on where I'm healed, where I'm not healed. Like I took, I took some time to really reflect. That was through journaling, through processing out loud, through writing, through thinking, through being still, like all of those fun things. Um, and I say fun because they help me heal, but they're not fun in the moment. But anyways, when I looked back, I started to think about like, what did I regret at that time? Because the truth is like, there are moments in our life that we're going to grow to regret. And you know, one of the regrets that I had was that I feel like I wasted time being consumed or loyal to my pain. Um, but the biggest regret is I wish that I had allowed myself to be happier. I think going through that experience, I convinced myself that I was not allowed to be happy, that it was not okay with me being happy. I was not okay to be happy. Like I wasn't allowed to be happy. I went through this terrible traumatic divorce. Why should I be smiling? Why should I be looking out? Why should I have an optimistic outlook? Why should I be looking forward to life when everything is, oh, well, it's me. But I wish that, like looking back, if I could tell my former self any one thing, I wish that I knew being happy was an option. And all I had to do was make a decision to, to be happy. I wish that I understood that I did not need to wait for some big moment or something special or a special someone to make me happy. I allowed myself for years 
to believe that happiness was not on the table for me. That wasn't an option for me. And so when I think about my life in just that small little segment, that little like two to three years span of my life, I learned a lot. I took away a lot reflecting on what I wish I would have known. And so I took it even a step further and I said, what is it that I should be doing today that I'd be grateful for in the future? What choices should I be doing today that my future self would thank me for? And when I think about my life 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or even 60 years from now, I start to wonder what choices I would make that I would regret. Like what choices would I make today that I'd later regret? And more importantly, how can I avoid making these choices altogether? Um, and this is, again, why I love talking to the elderly, because I get so much insight from them about choices that they've made that they regret. And then hopefully I take that and I can learn to avoid those same things. But anyways, I took some time. I talked to a couple friends. I took time and reflected on my own journey. I, you know, I did some of my own like research. I talked to some of the people that I told you I was in the conference with. And after compiling a list and, and doing research, I came up with a list of the top five things that the top five choices that we are all guilty of making currently that in the future, I think we'd be likely to regret. And so to be honest, most of these I'm not totally surprised about because I'm guilty of on myself. And some of them are like, I don't really fall into that, but I know other people could be blessed by this. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I just want to have a real conversation about the choices we're making today and how they can be choices that in the future we're not so proud of. And so the first one that I came up with is trying to keep up with others. Now think about it now, like we live in a day and an age where everything is posted on social media. You see everyone's highlight reels. You see them driving luxury cars and traveling and getting married and having kids and having a great house and being on the beach and having a business they love. And they do all these things. And it makes us question what's wrong with us. Like what's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? Why can't I be married? Why can't I have kids? Why can't I travel? Why can't I have a job that I love? And you question and you get into this like, this frame of reference where like nothing good can happen for you. And then you switch and you start to think of how can I keep up with them? And so we begin to live these fake lives aligning with trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? We buy a luxury vehicle when we're really struggling and our credit sucks, or we take a vacation, but when we're there, we're vacation poor, meaning that we're sitting on the beach, but we can't sightsee because we can't afford anything, or we max out our credit card to match other people. And the truth about this is like people post what they want us to see. Of course, people are going to get on social media and post their highlight reels, but they're not going to post that maybe they too are in debt, or maybe someone, you know, got that trip for them as a gift, or maybe they're struggling struggling in other ways. People don't always share that. And we have to be okay with be staying in our own lane. You know, there's, um, and I'll try my best to describe it because there's not a pic, not a way I can show you a picture on a podcast. But I remember seeing a picture on social media and it was two people swimming in lanes. They, they were racing and they were both in two different lanes. And one person was swimming and he was focused on the finish line. And the other person was swimming and he was focused on the person who was focused on the finish line. Ultimately, who do you think won? The person that was focused on the finish line. And that's because they were laser focused, focused on their success, right? But when we're so busy watching everyone else, we're always one step behind and we're always going to feel unfulfilled because we're not focusing on staying in our own lane. Worry about watering your grass, not what color someone else's grass is. So I think that this is a choice we need to avoid making today because on your deathbed, you're not going to be proud of that luxury vehicle that you bought to keep up with so-and-so on social media. And that's just me being real. 
Um, the next thing kind of goes with the first one, which is overspending. The things we often spend money on are not the things that are making us happy ultimately. I mean, think about how many times you buy something and you're happy in the moment, then you go home with guilt or you buy something, you go home and you never even touch it again. The reality is when we are on our deathbed, all of those shoes we had, all of those clothes we had, all of that, that nice Louis Vuitton purse that we had or the makeup or the car or anything like that is not going to keep you warm. It's not going to keep you company. It's not going to make you feel valuable. We have to stop wasting money on things that don't matter. We have to stop throwing away money on things that lose value the moment we walk out with it. So this, so choosing to Watch how we spend our money is going to be important. Think about investing your money in things that have lasting impacts. So maybe you invest in a property because you understand that your family can continue to take care of it and sets your family up for financial success. Maybe as you keep investing in retirement and you do it more aggressively so that you can retire earlier and enjoy, you know, some of the more of those days. Maybe it's that you're taking time to invest in vacations because those vacations are creating memories for you and your family. Think about those things that are going to matter in the long run. The next one is holding grudges. So to be honest, this was a tough one for me because this is one that I, I'm guilty of. You know, I always felt like holding grudges was the best form of protection for me. If someone hurt me, I held a grudge and I protected myself and everything was good. But life is so short, like it's too short to constantly hold a grudge. You can forgive someone and still set a boundary right? That's not holding a grudge. Understanding that someone hurts you and not giving them access to you in the same way is not a grudge. That's a boundary. But a grudge is when you're holding on to unforgiveness. You're unwilling to move forward. You're unwilling to let go of what that person did. Just give yourself peace. And for years, again, I held grudges because it felt like the best way to protect myself. It felt like the safest thing to do or the right thing to do. But what I came to see is that holding on to these grudges and this unforgiveness was making it difficult for me to move forward because it was almost like added weight and baggage that I was carrying along with me through this journey I call life. There's an old saying that's like, when you hold on to forgiveness, it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And it's the same thing with grudges. We walk around and we hold these grudges and then we expect other people to feel so, like sorry or sad that we're holding these grudges, but it really is only hurting us. Like eventually they go on with their life and we're the one that's still struggling. So understand that it's important that we have to stop holding grudges. We have to be willing to build healthy relationships, to have those healthy conversations, to make changes that need to be happened, to learn from different experiences. We, but we have to understand that grudges don't benefit anyone, including you. Forgiveness is the only way forward and it's the only way to free you. And so that's something that we should all be committed to. It's not something that's always fun. It's not something that's always easy, but it's something that we should be committed to. Because on your deathbed, the last thing you're going to want to think about is someone who hurt you and how you are so strong at holding a grudge and not speaking to them for 400 years. Life is too short. It's just so, so, so short. The fourth um, takeaway that I have for lessons that I feel like we would regret if we don't start to adjust now is being lazy. I see this often where I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, someday, someday I'll do this. Or uh, I just don't have the time to go back to school. I don't have the time to dedicate to a business, even though it's something that they really, really want to do. Being lazy seems like the, do, the thing to do because, again, we have a million things buying for our time and our attention and we live in a really fast-paced and busy world and we have expectations and all these things. 
But being lazy is not the right thing to do, even if you're tired, even if you're exhausted, because it's not getting you any closer to the success that you desire. So in several years, you never want to look back and say, wow, I wish that I had tried to go on vacation or wow, I wish that I hadn't stayed in a job that I was so unhappy with for so long. I challenge you to start looking for reasons to live your life today because the truth of the matter is you never know when your last day is so don't allow yourself to get consumed in excuses or in laziness and miss out the opportunity to live or create a life that you love the fifth one is not risking fear so this is another one that i'm gonna say like is a really tough one for me because i would avoid fear like the plague and i mean it right i would avoid any type of situation that evokes fear. And if you're, if I, I know that I'm not alone. If you're like most people, you're probably the same way. We are wired to want to avoid fear and to go after what's safe or what's comfortable. But let me ask you a question. Do you ever look back over your life and realize that you allowed fear to take control of every single thing? How many times have you been held back because of fear? We have to stop allowing ourselves to get comfortable in our comfort zone because there's no growth there, right? The comfort zone is great because it's familiar, it's safe, it's comfortable, but nothing good comes from a comfort zone because you're not pushing yourself. I mean, think about, you know, I think about me at the gym the other day, like my trainer told me he wanted to go up in weight. We were working on a hex bar and he's like, well, I want to go up in weight. You've been doing really well. And I didn't want to do it because I was comfortable and it seemed kind of not, I don't want to say easy, nothing on the hex bar is is easy and nothing my trainer has me do is easy um, in case he's listening to this. But um, the truth is like, I didn't want to go up and wait because I was comfortable. But the reality is if I don't go up and wait, there's no growth there. I'm just going to remain in the same situation and I want to grow physically. And so it's important that I challenge myself and I step out into unknown territory and I step out and do things that may evoke a little, invoke a little fear, that I step out and do things that may make may make me uncomfortable or that may be more challenging. That is so, so, so important. When we stay in our comfort zones, we risk losing so much more. I've been working with a lot of one-on-one clients who have really big dreams for their life and I know that they're beyond capable of it, but they've allowed fear to stop them. And the thing about fear is fear like continues to feed itself. Once you tell yourself one lie about fear, it just piles up and then you tell yourself another lie about fear and then it piles up and then you tell yourself another lie about fear and then it piles up and before you know it, you're consumed in fear. But the reality is fear keeps us from living our greatest potential. We end up being controlled by fear and unable to reach any amount of success or peace or anything that we desire for our life. And so one of the best ways to make positive changes in your life is going to sound crazy, but is to actually take more risks. Life is so much more rewarding and exciting when you're willing to take chances and to put yourself out there and to do what's uncomfortable. Take a moment and think about a time that you took a risk and like how awesome it was, whether it means like you went overseas and tried like to learn about a different culture, whether it means you quit your job and started a business, whether it means that you quit your job and went to another job. Maybe it means that you moved away and went to college farther away from your family. Maybe that means that you committed to loving again after you were heartbroken. There's a lot of times that we take risks, but here's the truth. If we never take a risk, We never have a chance to win. So yes, you may take a risk to love again after being heartbroken and you may get your heart broken again. But if you never took that risk, it's guaranteed that you'll never love again, right? You may take a risk to step out into your business. And while it may not work the first time, the second time it opens doors. But if you never took that risk, would it have ever happened? 
There is no one in the world that is successful, quote unquote, that has not taken some sort of risk. Um, and that's that's what's so important for us to understand. Um, the most successful people in the world risk it all. And in fact, one of the one of the key things that I learned when I was doing some research for this podcast episode was that some of the most successful people are quick decision makers. So they what that means is they don't even give themselves enough time to become consumed in fear or to try to talk themselves out of it. So in my process of learning to take more chances, I have come to embrace the truth that fear is risky, but it's also the very thing that can change your life. So again, just a quick review, the top five things that I think we'd regret if we don't start making significant shifts and changes today are trying to keep up with the Joneses, overspending, holding grudges or holding on to unforgiveness, being lazy or making excuses, and not risking fear. I want you to take some time this week to really think about that. Think about where in your life you'd look back in a few years and say, wow, I wish that I had not done this. I wish that I had not settled. I wish that I had not allowed myself to do this. I wish that I had not made this choice or I wish that I did make this choice or I wish that I jumped out, you know, jumped out and built the wings on the way down, whatever it is. I want you to take some time to really reflect on it because I think this is a key part of what we're missing. We go through life and then when we realize what we regret, it's far too late. I no longer want to be on my deathbed when I realize what I regret. I want to live a very full and fulfilling life so that at the end of my life, I can smile and say, I did the best. I I stepped into my purpose. I know what I was here for. I know who I blessed. I know what type of legacy I left. I know what type of impact I had. I know what's changed my life. I know what's blessed me. I know what's hurt me. And I know how I've changed. And I know how what kind of person I've become. That's what I want to walk away with, total peace that I did my best at this thing called life. Now, before I go, you know, I'd like to leave you guys with questions to also think about, but I want you to take time to answer this and feel free to to let me know as well. But are you currently living a life that allows you to have no regrets? And if not, what changes do you need to make starting today? I'll chat with you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Dr. Nicoya Show. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Nicoya Williams or on my website, NicoyaWilliams.com for more info on this podcast. As always, subscribe to the show to be sure to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh new content. See you next Tuesday.